You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. Uh, you're listening to Reception Perception the Show. Uh, Matt Harmon, how are you recovering after this uh, Super Bowl weekend? You had a week long uh, business trip in, in Vegas, my dude. Yeah, uh, as there's my first uh, voice mess up of the show. Uh, quite literally recovering. Right. Uh, yeah, yes, listen, you absolutely. spend a week in Vegas, you're absolutely going to get sick. I absolutely did get sick at the end of the trip there. So um, flying back home was not fun. Uh, but you know what? We're all good, man. We're here. Uh, the Super Bowl's in the book. Uh, the season is in the book. Feel really good about uh, – feel just – Really good about the way this season uh, played out across the board, uh, content-wise. Very happy with what we did on this show. Very happy yeah. with uh, all all the content all season long here. I thought it was a great year for reception perception. I thought it was a great year for the NFL, capped off by a game that I really, really enjoyed last night. Man, um, you know, it was it was anxiety filled. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't care one way or another. Like yeah, you got who no rooting won interest, this game. Right? I had no rooting interest, right? But it was definitely yeah. like I, I could not imagine how exhausted I would feel. Honestly, even if I was a Chiefs fan, but man, certainly if I was a Niners fan coming out of that game. Only the second uh, game to ever go to overtime in the Super Bowl, and of course Kyle Shanahan involved in both of them. Uh, he will certainly have uh, plenty of critics uh, coming his way, uh, as the San Francisco 49ers did hold a double-digit lead at some point in this game. Although, come on, it was so early on. Uh, uh, but yeah. the final score, 25-22, as the Chiefs equaling out, uh, winning by three in overtime. But kind of want to break this game down, get your reaction here, Matt, um, and, and just talk about how everything went down, and then obviously get a look at, at what both these teams should do uh, kind of moving forward, you know, to for San Francisco to get over the hump and for Kansas City, well, uh, they're going to have a lot of question marks this offseason, you know. So um, so certainly, you know, uh, they, they win their, their third Super Bowl and, uh, in four tries, which is just – I mean, come on, man. This is just ridiculous what we're seeing here uh, in Kansas City. But uh, let me let me start the game off, or let me start this uh, conversation off. I'm talking about the the big uh, third quarter there for San Francisco. I have seen a lot of criticism being thrown Kyle Shanahan's way uh, in his usage of Christian McCaffrey there 
um, in the second half, particularly there in the third quarter. They're like pe- people were saying, oh, he abandoned the run uh, in the second half. And I don't know how you feel about this, Matt, but quite honestly, I just like my eyes are rolling in the back of my head because it is it's so disingenuous. It's the exact it's the same people, Matt, telling you that running backs don't matter, that running the ball uh, is not an efficient EPA play. (laughs) Uh, These are the exact same people telling you that Kyle Shanahan should have just gave the ball to Christian McCaffrey 40 times this ball game. I, like I said, it's so easy to criticize because they lost. Mm-hmm. But just in the in the even in the heat of the moment, I didn't I, I didn't feel some kind of way about CMC not getting the rock enough. I mean, he got the ball, he got the ball plenty in this game. Yeah, he touched the ball 30 times. Uh that's an awful lot last time I checked. Uh Tons. look, I think I think in the moment, I definitely was at times thinking, hey, man, they, they really should. Are, are they abandoning the run a little bit? Are, but at the same time, like this is the, the trap of watching the game live and sort of just feeling the emotions of it. Because uh-huh. if the answer really is that easy, there's usually a reason that they're not going to that easy answer. And honestly, um, I saw that Steven Ruiz from the Ringer asked LeJarrius Sneed post-game if the Chiefs' blitz-heavy game plan was meant to slow down the 49ers' run game. And uh, Sneed said, yeah, we knew we knew they were going to throw the ball. We, we just wanted Brock to throw the ball, right? Like, right. You don't know the type of fronts they're, they're facing in that game. And, and when you're getting blitzed a ton like that, y- yeah, you're right about the fact that a lot of people are going to then criticize them if they're just smacking their head a- against exactly. the, the brick wall over and over exactly. again. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's, it's easy hindsight analysis to say that, but you know, I, I think they could, you could maybe criticize like, all right, do you want to then maybe play action this thing a little bit more or it not yeah. just go straight drop back sure. pass game? I get that. But at the same time, you know, you, you run play action into a blitz front. You're going to have a free rusher. You're going to get Brock Birdie creamed like you did in the uh, <laughs> in their <laughs> NFC championship game last yep. year or last mm-hmm. season uh, when when he was you know destroyed against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then obviously we know how that game played out. So, look, the, the, the reality is like defense gets paid to play, too. And 100%. I thought the Chiefs had a great defensive game plan. They have great defensive players. Chris Jones came up huge. Trent McDuffie came up with maybe the game of his life. Yep. And I think that that's just been the story of the Chiefs' season, that while we hyper-focus on offense, and, and that there were obviously a lot of reasons to be concerned about that offense, and we'll talk about how the offense projects forward. This yeah. was a defense-first team this year that also has the best quarterback on planet Earth. And that is a recipe to win you a Super Bowl, and that's exactly what just happened. Good defense, historically great quarterback. Those two things, it's peanut butter and jelly. It's hot sauce and fried chicken. These are going to win you a lot of ball games. Uh, in Kansas City, again, um, you know, I, I think so many of the headlines were talking about the offense and it just not being a great offense, which I think is fair, 100%. What I don't think we spent enough time probably talking about was how great uh, Kansas City's defense was, and, and they're really good. You know, I mean, Legereus Need, uh, McDuffie, you talk about Jones, too. Uh, those guys played uh, a heck of a ball game. Um, now, to be fair, I don't know what Spags did from a schematic standpoint. I'm not that guy. But what we do know 
is that Kansas City had been giving it up on the ground just a little bit. You know, since week number 10, they've been giving up 4.3 yards per carry to opposing running backs. You kind of figured going up against CMC in this rushing offense for San Francisco, that was going to bode pretty well. But again, it felt like Spags had drawn up a pretty good game plan here in terms of stopping the run. Christian McCaffrey averaged 3.7 yards per carry in the first half. So again, when we start off the second half... I'm actually not that surprised that they try to open it up because a lot of those touches not very efficient for CMC to open up the ball game. There are a lot of things that I think the 49ers will be haunted by in this game. You know, you think mm-hmm. about like the missed opportunities, no points off two Kansas City turnovers. That's I a killer. Know. That that's the killer. Oh, that's the I mean, you could say that's a killer. You could say the uh, muffed punt or the punt that goes off the guy's foot and then, you know, Ray Ray McLeod can't get it and they score right right after. Right. That's that's a killer. Uh, The missed extra point opportunity is a killer as well. Yeah, they're not. You know, they can't just kick a field goal and go to overtime if they have that extra point. Right. Correct. But to me, it all came back like the moment. The moment I'm worried about the 49ers is the first two drives where. I thought they were running the ball well on those first two drives. Like they mm-hmm. were especially the first drive. They're establishing something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, first drive. They're setting yeah, the tempo sure. with mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey. And then he freaking fumbles. I mean, Christian McCaffrey fumbles the ball. I know. Right. And then in the second drive, again, I think they're running the ball well. I think they're, they're able to get ahead of it like you want them to on that first mm-hmm. drive. And then Trent Williams, maybe they're. These are probably their two best players, right? And then he back-to-back penalties that gets him into second and 17. And then, I mean, you're obviously so far behind the six at that point. You're not running the ball well in that scenario. So, yeah, I think that's the that was the part where, to me, we're already in, like, what-if territory. Because it, on that first drive, like, I said this <laughs> uh-huh. on, my, on, the, on my preview show, right. probably on this show, too. I, I thought, like, if they can get out and they can run the ball well on the first drive and they can go put the ball on the paint, like, I love the 49ers' chances of winning this game. And right. that was where I thought it was going. And then, obviously, the fumble happens, and then we're, you know, you, you, you're, you're then just already starting to give Mahomes rope to play with and rope to hang you with. And, and at that point, you know what's going to happen next. So, I don't know. I wouldn't say that, like, I, I wouldn't say that Kansas City suddenly figured out how to stop the run. I think if 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 McCaffrey doesn't fumble that ball, maybe we're talking about an entirely different story. Oh, that's a great point. I love that. Um, Christian McCaffrey, 22 carries, 80 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. Christian McCaffrey, eight targets, eight grabs, 80 yards through the air uh, and a touchdown as well. Kind of impressive, uh, the 80 yards that he got because 88 of them came after the catch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, uh, meanwhile, the 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 wide receivers there, Brandon Ayuk, six targets, three grabs, 49. Juwan Jennings, five targets, four grabs, 42, and a touchdown. He had a passing touchdown as well. Um, I was surprised that uh, Debo was limited in the way that he was. 11 targets, Matt, for Debo Samuel, just three catches for 33 yards. Obviously, he gets banged up in this one at one point. You know, he just pulls yeah, up the on hammy. the hamstring. I can't even believe he got back in the game. I mean, that, that was another thing, too. 49ers definitely did not have uh, injury luck on their side. I mean, Drake no. Greenlaw getting, uh, you know, pu- pulls up on his Achilles trotting onto the field, which is absolutely Crazy. outrageous. Um, I, man, I, I that was such a killer. And, and just, again, one of those moments where you're like... Is this just like not meant to be, right? Um, and then I saw on Twitter at coach underscore yak. Uh, once Dre Greenlaw went down, Oren Burks filled in for him. Here, how, here's how he did in coverage: nine targets, nine catches allowed, one touchdown. 
130.7 passer rating when targeted. So that was a huge loss was Drake Greenlock. Wow. George Kittle goes wow. into the locker room at one point in this game too. You know, Kittle and Debo get back out there, but you just, you know, you don't, you don't know how like effective these guys are. Uh, Kittle didn't have a big statistical impact on the game as it was other than the fourth down reception that he got. Right. You know, it's just with Debo though, I, I will say, you know, you noticing even watching the game live, they're getting up in his grill. They're pressing the hell out of him uh, because right. they have the corners to do that. And like, that's, that's Debo's weakness. We talk, certainly reception perception has pointed that out for years that this guy is yep. an elite tier zone beater. He's an elite tier yak player, but he is not a good route runner against man press coverage. And that was the chiefs plan with him all ball game to the point that, okay, we'll even let like Brandon Ayuk toast us on a couple of inbreakers when we, when he gets lined up against the safety, like that's going to happen, but we're not going to let, you know, Debo uh, run all over our linebackers and get into like a yak position. That was really, I thought quietly the most brilliant part of what was overall, I think a great game plan and execution from the chiefs defense and Steve Spagnolo. Uh, I thought quietly, like having Debo kind of locked down there was uh, was was the most impressive part. Debo generally, again, you give him, you feed him targets, man. This guy's this guy's working, okay. Uh, there's this was only the third game all season long where he's seen double digit targets. Um, in one game, uh, he had twelve targets, six grabs for one twenty nine and a touchdown. Uh, and, and and again, in other games where he sees you know nine targets, you know he's he's converting seven, six catches, hundred fifty yards, eighty yards, sixty yard so just the fact that San Francisco uh, again it seemed as if San Francisco really had a concerted effort to go manufacture touches for Debo Samuel and Kansas City responded in kind this was a huge I think you know performance from their uh, from their secondary players to to limit Debo especially after the catch I mean 11 targets turning into only 33 yards that's nuts man a lot of those plays too are where he's you know, he's a great in-breaking route runner, but you know when that coverage is tight to him, you know Purdy's not necessarily like I think Purdy's accuracy almost weirdly gets like overstated at times, like because of his completion percentage and because of his yards per attempt. Sure. Like I wouldn't say he is an elite ball placer, and I wouldn't say that Debo is like he. he he doesn't have like the the best hands in the world, right? You know, there was a, there was the one pass where I thought he probably should have caught it and almost ended up Agreed. being an interception. Was that like the fir- was it the first drive in overtime? Uh, well, they're only driving overtime or late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that's just like those are not the situations I think where either of those players are necessarily going to thrive. So that was just again great defensive game plan, and and uh, you know you're you're at a point there where you need to start coming up with a second pitch because I, I'm sure they, just like I did, thought, all right, Debo getting to match up with some of these linebackers is going to be an advantage. Uh, getting him oh, on yeah. some of these inbreakers is going to be an advantage. You know, oh, yeah. I, one, I wonder if uh, Shanahan and the boys thought, like, just as we did on the preview show, Ayuk is probably going to get singled up with Legereus Sneed and, you know, maybe we don't have a big set of plays in for him, but we're, we're mm-hmm, still working mm-hmm. Debo. But I think there was definitely – a pitch that they weren't expecting to get thrown to them in this game. Again, you look at Brock Purdy's overall line, you're thinking, okay, it's fine. 23 of 38 for 255 and a touchdown, no picks, although he was, again, pretty close to another couple. <laughs> um, Always is. For sure. I know, right? He's a uh, golly. Uh, but, um, but I just, it certainly didn't feel like he made any 
there weren't any wow throws. There weren't any wow plays from San Francisco. And this is a team that, I mean, it's the structure of the offense, but it's also just the players too. They're always making wow plays. You know, where were the San Francisco wow plays? Where were those like home run hits um, that San Francisco always applies each and every game? Just didn't see a lot of that uh, in, in in that ball game against the uh, uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, yeah, I thought Brock Purdy played an okay game. I didn't think he played bad. I just didn't think he played well either. You know, I just thought he played all right. I think he played all right. Uh, on the other side, Matt, first half, Travis Kelsey, one target, one catch, one yard. <laughs> Second half <laughs> overtime. Are you kidding me? This dude finishes with uh, you know another eight grabs for ninety-two yards, and it was just it was incredible. You know, again, uh, his postseason run right now for Travis Kelsey has absolutely been the reason why Kansas City uh, not just hanging in these ball games, but literally carrying the offense, putting it on his back. Yeah, again, it's eighteen targets for Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. The next most guys are is Isaiah Pacheco with six, and then you've got Justin Watson with five, MBS with five. It's that that was the way the playoffs went, where it was like right. twenty plus right. targets for Kelsey and Rice, and then everybody else kind of sprinkled in. This game even had a little bit more of the secondary guys being sprinkled in. Hardman uh, obviously gets the game winner, but he gets that long Crazy. play down the field as well. Watson making a few plays. And we talked about this on the previous show again. Like, there was going to be opportunities for those outside receivers. How can they just yep. not like completely mess it up? MBS tried. On that one uh, <laughs> where he goes the full Deontay Johnson and like completely runs backwards, ends what up losing yardage when he could have just had a oh. little six-yard game, uh, a six-yard yeah. gain. But he also scored the touchdown, too. He had another clutch he reception did. in there as well. Uh, so, listen, it was a mixed bag. It's always going to be a mix. Justin Watson even ha- had a pass he probably should have caught. Always going to be a mixed bag with these Chiefs re- receivers. Th- right. This version of them, we'll see what they accumulate next year. But they have enough margin for error there because, honestly, the 49ers afforded them that margin for error. you know. And, and again, this is a guy in Pat Mahomes that you can't, you can't leave the door open for at all. You have no. to slam that door shut. And, and from the very first two drives, they were already trying to give them extra rope. And, and look, again, we, they end up losing this game. So I was definitely um, – I thought that this win for Kansas City was very emblematic of their entire season, not just from a defensive perspective, but this is what the offense has been all season. It was a run game that I think the final numbers, like the fantasy stats for Isaiah Pacheco, don't really tell the story of how inconsistent this run game was. The offensive oh, yeah. line was super problematic at times. I mean, if I thought that – like I would have – I would have thought that the the game that that the 49ers got out of Bosa and Chase Young and Randy Gregory and I mean certainly um Hargrave on the inside, I would have thought yep. they like you told me they got that game out of those guys, I would think the 49ers win this game. So that going away. issue I, I would think they issue went going was, away. Right, right. I thought that issue was prevalent all night for Kansas City protecting on the edge. Um the wide receiver issues, there were still some moments you can point to, but at the end of the day they were able to get it done. Uh, because like that, that's just what this Chiefs team has been all year, fighting through. Like you, you know, usually the Super Bowl winner gets up there and they talk about adversity and fighting through stuff and whatever. And it's kind of like, all right, sure, but that was real <laughs> for this year for Kansas City, and they right. talked about it after totally. the game. Oh, totally. You're 100% right. Isaiah Pacheco, 18 carries for 59 yards, uh, just 3.3 yards per carry. And you're right. His chunk runs were very inconsistent for the most part. 
I mean, he was just slamming his head forward for two, three yards at a time. You know what I mean? So 3.3 yards per carry for him. Patrick Mahomes, the leading rusher. <laughs> on this team nine oh, carries man. for for 66 i mean he he did everything possible um to basically you know will his team uh into this victory i mean 400 uh 399 total yards for patrick mahomes 399 total yards for patrick mahomes against this defense with no wide receivers i Brilliant performance from Patrick Mahomes. Unbelievable stuff. I just love watching this guy play. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I know that's not a hot take, whatever, but um, yeah. we're definitely, you know, there's a lot of discussion now, and I, I think we probably talked about it at some point this year, like our... When are the Kansas City Chiefs going to enter their villain era? You know, there's a lot of people talking about that in this, uh, at the follow-up to this game, you know, because now we can officially say, like, they've won a three of the last four. They're in their dynasty, right? Like, we're, we're squarely in the middle of this thing. And that means that people are going to start to hate the Chiefs. Um, I can't think of an exercise that has that is, is just more wasted energy than watching Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and hating it. Look, and hating on it. it. Yeah. And hating on it because here, here's the yeah. reality of the situation. I get it. It's frustrating to to see the same team win over and over again. I'd love some more variety. I'd love some guys, uh, some other guys out there to be able to hoist Lombardi Trophy. 
some more some more variety in the winners. I understand that, but I cannot imagine loving the sport of football and not just loving every second of watching Patrick Mahomes play and him win right. because he's so good at this. Like, dude, yep. we got to suffer through teams trying to sell themselves on insert random quarterback here every season. Mm-hmm. We had yeah. we suffered through backup quarterbacks galore this year, right? Um, <laughs> I tie myself to uh-huh. wide receivers that are, are like, oh, man, I got to sell myself on this quarterback this season, right? Um, sure. Uh, what's the point? What's the point of any of this if we can't just all collectively be like, hell yeah, it rocks to, to watch the best of the best doing it and winning at a high level because it's just – that's what I love about Kansas City too, and, and it's easy to do this stuff when when in retrospect, but like it's important to acknowledge it in the middle of this that this Chiefs team so different than the Chiefs team of you know nineteen or, or all these other Chiefs teams that have won mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, which you know I, I think is really cool, and I think is a it just it perfectly embodies like what team building is, and obviously when you have Mahomes, everything becomes easier. But yeah, I just I love this Chiefs team. I, I think this year this group in particular was a really fun, even, albeit frustrating team to track all year. But yeah, I, I just can't imagine like I, I, again. I, I I totally agree that variety would be nice. Variety variety would be nice. But you know what's also nice? Someone doing it at the highest level possible. And uh, continuing to pitch that heat every single week. And that's what we got at Mahomes right now. And I'm going to enjoy every single second of it. Say whatever you want to, you know. But come on. Patrick Mahomes is also not problematic, you know. It's like he's got a great attitude. He's a great teammate. (laughs) It's like he does all the stuff, you know. And and again, it's not even like he's winning in boring ways, right? Like right when... When Tom Brady was out there doing his thing, again, you know, you could point to a lot of the checkdowns and he would throw to the running backs a lot and, you know, and all of those things, right? So if you wanted to nitpick his game, you could. What are you going to say about Patrick Mahomes, bruh? Like, what are you, what are you going to say? He's making plays downfield with guys who are not, shouldn't even be on NFL rosters. I, I mean, he's making plays with his legs. He's mobile. He's escaping. Again, the, the pressure to, to quarterback sack ratio, the best in the NFL. I, he's, he's doing it all. I mean, that, that's what's so incredible, right? Like, I mean, again, going back to the, this whole goat thing about Tom Brady, what was his thing? It's like, oh, well, you have to, you got to get pressure on him. You, you got to get pressure on him, right? Because he, he's not probably going to escape the pressure, right? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, this is what he's doing. Uh, he's escaping pressure. He's making plays downfield. He's making plays with his legs. He's doing it with a great attitude too, right? It's not like he's a, he's, he's a humble dude. It's not like he's a poor winner. He's not a poor loser. He's just out here grinding. I, I I, I don't know, man. Like, again, I know we're, we're, we're glossing the dude up, and I, I get it, you know? But I'm just saying, it, it's so hard. I, like, the Patrick Mahomes haters got – they don't got much to stand on. They don't got much to stand on, Matt. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, uh, look, it's, I think the couple things people could be annoyed by is, one, he, he did act like an idiot after the uh, Bills – game where you know the Kadarius Tony offsides thing but you know even came out after afterwards and said like yeah yeah, yeah. you know I I was acting like an idiot and I regret the way I talked to Josh Allen after that game because he didn't deserve that and look 
people people are not perfect. That's number one. That's mm-hmm. a thing. And obviously, like, look, I don't love that he sometimes gets up like immediately looking for the flag every single time. But that's part of the game, man. Brady did. Uh, give me a break. <laughs> exactly. Brady did it. Come Manning on. did it. All, All these, these guys, guys do it. It's part. It's All just part of, of playing the position. Josh yeah. Allen has started to do it. Um, sure. It just is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I think some some of these guys, like Cam Newton, probably should have started hunting for flags a little sooner in his career. Uh, maybe <laughs> then he would have gotten one every now and again right. when he when he definitely deserved it. Um, so yeah, I, I look, he's the best player on planet Earth, and and there's no amount of gassing up that we could do that would be like too much. I, it just it is what it is, and it, okay. it doesn't take away from the rest of the, the this Chiefs team, like the way that they have. Steve Spagnuolo there and he'll probably never leave until he wants to retire. It's not like he's ever mm-hmm. going to get another head coaching job. The way that right. Brett Veach and Andy Reid have done a great job drafting into that defense and developing that defense. Like it's not just Mahomes and a bunch of goofballs he's dragging around. Certainly the receiver core was a developmental issue this year. I mean, McCole Hardman scores the uh receiving touchdown. That's the guy they let walk Go. and didn't yeah, think twice <clears throat> crazy about until they're like, "All right, we need something else in here." And and even he's given them mega frustrating moments in the last month. So it's not <laughs> as if it was some like, "Oh yeah, solution. We brought McCole Hardman and everything back and everything is right. good." You know, right. so I think that was a cool thing just seeing him deal with that and, and this team deal with that level of adversity. But I don't know, man, I, I don't think that they'll have to do that forever. That's the fun thing about this, right? That when, when we're looking at this in real time, mm-hmm. this chief's dynasty, like I said, this team that won here this season is very different than the group that won even last year, but certainly in 2019, right? Like the 2019 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. season where it's it's Kelsey at the height of his powers, it's Tyree Kill at the height of his powers, you know, and, and this year, this group, we've got Legereus Sneed pitching a great season as a shutdown corner. We got Trent McDuffie breaking out as one of the best slot defenders in the NFL. We have Chris Jones uh, dominating uh, in pass rushing scenarios. But now, like, this team has $24 million in, in cap space this year, which is pretty crazy considering they're one of the best teams in the league. They just won the Super Bowl. That's nuts. That's but nuts. Chris Jones is a free agent. I don't think they can franchise ta- tag him right after their deal last year. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They've got Legereus Sneed also set to, free agents, set to hit free agency. So where that defense might come down a little bit, maybe we see that offense again start to balance the scales a little. I mean, think about the fact that you know, they could trade up the draft board and maybe pick out of this great receiver class that we've already right. started to talk about. Um, maybe one of these guys in free agency, like a Mike Evans or a T. Higgins, I don't expect those guys to hit the market, but if they did, I mean, imagine this offense with an ec- like a legit vertical X receiver. And imagine oh how boy. much that makes everything oh else better for these guys that we already know and like in this offense. Oh boy. Um it's it, it is interesting because they, they talk about Chris Jones as if he is gone. Um, yeah. and I just feel like, my goodness, I find a way, you know, and I'm not saying Legereus need, it, I mean, he's been locked down all right, yeah. year long, but I, I, me personally, I just think it's way harder to find a Chris Jones than it is a Legereus need, yeah. um, you know, to get, I mean, again, to get 70% of Chris Jones, where are you going to find it? I don't know. There, there's not that many dudes walking planet earth. That can give you 70% of uh, Chris Jones. I think you can find 70% of Legereus Sneed. You know? 
Uh, So to me, it's interesting that they're talking about Chris Jones as if he's gone. It it might be a price issue. Um, He's obviously going to command a huge, huge um, contract. But find if I'm Casey's defense, I try to find a way. I I try to find a way. Um, Okay, it it kind of dovetails. I'll just say this about the Chris Jones thing. Yeah, number one, he's been the best closer in the NFL, right? Like, I mean, yeah. The, the, the throw that he altered the path on for Josh Allen in that game uh, that, that if he, he has Khalil Shakir wide open, like, and, and Chris Jones is right there in his mug. If Chris Jones has make that play, the bills probably score that touchdown. Who knows what happens? Um, the throw that Purdy missed to Debo down the field, like Chris Jones is right there. I mean, but that's the thing though. If he, if he's not able to be franchise tagged, I think the reason that Kansas city is maybe bracing for him, like how are the Texans who are on the cusp and have fifty six or fifty seven million dollars in cap space, not just going to throw, and and all of these guys on rookie contracts, Stroud and Nico and Tank Dell, how are they not just going to throw <laughs> the bag at Chris Jones, man? I mean, um, right. Detroit, they've got some stuff to consider uh, contract wise, but they've got forty six million dollars in cap space. I mean, even the Colts and the Bengals have over fifty million dollars. How how is how is like a team that's right there? that wants themselves a closer, like how, how are they not going to throw, you know, so much money at Chris Jones, regardless of where he is from like an age and career trajectory standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's totally true. <clears throat> Although Matt, I would counter with, we know that the salary cap is fake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> these teams find they te- these teams somehow, some way find a way uh, to drum up the money when they want to, when they want to. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it, it would be, um, Again, Kansas City, man, golly, they've got some needs here. They've got some needs. But again, uh, this is what I want to talk to you about. Where does Kansas City go from here? Because they've got a couple of key pieces here uh, that could potentially be on the move. Uh, Their offense clearly needs an outside X receiver. Uh, Put your GM hat on for for me for just a second here. Where does KC go from here, Matt Harmon? Yeah, $24 million in cap space, like I said. They do have some decisions there on that defensive side of the football. I think specifically on offense, yeah, I, I think you got a great season out of Rasheed Rice. I think Rasheed Rice is going to be a fascinating player to discuss and debate in the offseason, depending on what else happens in Kansas City. Um, if you're not subscribed to uh, my YouTube page, you should do that because – there's content on there now that's not on this podcast feed, specifically the mailbag segment that I launched last week where uh, I talked a lot about Rasheed Rice and how he sort of compares to Amon Ross St. Brown from a rookie year reception perception standpoint. Uh, so definitely go check that out. But regardless, like we know typically, unless that archetype of player is going to break out to the point that we now have with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown where, I mean, he's doing everything – um, and, you know, it just maybe Rasheed Rice does that. Maybe he doesn't. You still need vertical, pre- like outside vertical presences in your offense. And if I'm Kansas City, I'm definitely looking at that outside receiver position as a complete blank slate. Uh, Kadarius Tony obviously will be gone. Um, I, I don't think Sky Moore ever should have been an outside receiver. I think that was a misevaluation mm-hmm. of that player. Um, he should probably be a guy that I mean, I don't even think I don't even think he'll be in their future plans. Frankly, I'd rather see him like traded to some other team and just kind of start over, see if he can develop somewhere else because it's probably it's not going to happen in Kansas City. Um, yeah, agreed. You know, MVS is probably going to be released. They'll get out of his contract. You know, Justin Watson, all these guys. Like I'm looking at outside receiver as a complete blank slate. And I would be aggressive, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I would be totally. 
I don't know who you're calling in like a trade situation. Um, I don't know who's going to be on the market, but you know that would certainly be you know. I mean, I'd call San Francisco, see what's up with Brandon Ayuk. I don't think Ayuk is going to be on really be available like a team that's this much in their contender window. But at some point, San Francisco is going to have a salary squeeze on that offensive side of the ball. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But I'd be kicking around the idea of who can I add in free agency, you know, and and like. Even if you don't get a big fish like a T. Higgins or uh, a Mike Evans, Mike Evans, right? I would that wouldn't stop me from still adding bodies like Calvin Ridley or like a Curtis Samuel, guys that we've seen play outside receiver before and can really thrive in that position. Because I do think I, we should be adding multiple bodies here. We should be adding right. multiple bodies at right. this position right. and uh, multiple different types too. That's the big thing. Is you can use an X. Well, shoot, you can use like a, a zone beating flanker. You like a. I mean, he's not going to be available this year, but like a Jacoby Myers type would be a great addition for them. Even like a Kendrick Bourne or, or something like that. I think guys with size and ability to beat man coverage have to be at a premium for Kansas City this year, and I think they should throw resources both in free agency and in the draft at that problem. Uh, and they should also be doing the same at left tackle as well. They're probably locked into Juwan Taylor just based on the contract they gave him last year, but. They should certainly be looking at offensive tackle as well because I would argue that those two issues, the receiver issue and the pass protection at outs, at the tackle position, right. the penalties at the tackle position, those two issues compounded on each other this past year, and you can't have that happen two years in a row. Uh, it, it definitely feels as if they're going to have to make a choice, though. You, you can't, with their salary cap situation, you can't address both wide receiver and offensive line. It's going to be really, yeah. really tough. And what Kansas City has done, at least certainly in, in recent drafts, is they're like, All right, you know what, or in recent offseasons, is that they're going to address the offensive line and just ask Mahomes to make it work uh, with some of his pass catchers. And, and can you really fall? They just won a Super Bowl with this equation. You yeah. Know? So they they might be motivated to do that again. And as much as, and I know that it's so high profile to bring in a high profile wide receiver, as you mentioned, like I think Mike Evans would be somebody that they should absolutely target. And I almost wonder if you could go backwards, like go, go attack it from the other position where if you have an outside X receiver and you pair him with, you know, Travis Kelsey and you pair him uh, with, you know, the, the other weapons that you've got, does that almost solve the O-line problem in and of itself? Because defenses now are going to be like, well, we really can't bring pressure. Um, otherwise, we're going to get absolutely torched over the top, you know? So those two things do work together. Yeah, I wonder if they, you know, Tyron Smith is a free agent from the Cowboys this year, you know, it, he probably could get a huge bag from somebody, but you know, right. or do they maybe think about spending money at that position? Cause look, as much as I say like T Higgins and, and Mike Evans, I, I don't think those guys are realistically going to hit the market. It's number one receivers just don't hit free agency. And I think both of T Higgins, you can quibble about and we'll quibble about it if he does eventually change teams at some point. But um, those guys just don't really hit the market. Like Michael Pittman's not going to hit the market. Maybe Calvin Ridley hits the market, but still, like, yeah. I think you can still add a lower tier free agent. But then, really, I do think their solution at wide receiver and where I would really be aggressive is in the draft. And um, they've certainly had their swings and misses there. Like Sky Moore is a miss, but Rasheed Rice is a hit on the second day, you know. And and now I think they just need to find somebody. I do think they need to alter the way they view the receiver position. 
Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we don't need as many of these gimmicky types. Uh, we don't need another Hardman. We don't need another Kadarius Tony. We don't need another Sky Moore. Like, I think Rasheed Rice was an inspired pick because he profiled as an X receiver uh, based on what he was doing in college. But then they completely reimagined and changed that role for him and, and made him more right. of an in-breaking guy, a slot player. That was great to see, but I think we need to return sort of to like the traditional outside receiver mold. And that's where I think they need to focus, not like some of these project gadgety guys. Um, and, and it sounds like there'll be plenty of guys available in the draft this year to do that. You know, I, I think right. of a guy like Brian Thomas, who we talked about uh, at one point in, in the draft process, big guy can you know run a handful of routes and but running those handful of routes as a vertical player in the Chiefs offense is exactly what they need. So, you know, it's going to require a trade up to get into that group of players, but even still, like I think that would be something I would explore if I was Kansas City because you're going to get weaker on the defensive side of the football. That's just how defense yeah. works and you're probably going to lose at least one player on that side, if not right. two guys in Snead and and uh and Chris Jones. So, I would be aggressive and thinking like, "All right, let me find my you know, outside what number one receiver to go along with Rice and and the last few years here of Kelsey. How about Hollywood Brown? See that like just doesn't do it for me. I, I don't no. I don't need I don't need a speed guy here. Um, you're going to create vertical plays with Mahomes. Um, you know, you're going to create big plays with Mahomes no matter what. Like, I want someone. Um, I like I like Hollywood Brown for uh, the player he is, but like yeah. he's another zone beating type. Like I want somebody that can beat man coverage and um, certainly somebody that can win in contested situations. And Hollywood Brown is a nice player, but he's neither of those things. All right, there you go. Um, a lot of interesting names certainly out there. If they wanted to go the old route, let's see what Odell Beckham's got left in the tank. Probably give him a, a, a small deal uh, if he wanted to come through. I, I don't know. I don't know where. Uh, Kendrick Bourne would be in his recovery from injury. Um, but he's like a, a totally like, you know, throwaway type contract that you could have and, and see what kind of upside you get right there too. Uh, but yeah, certainly I, I think there's some names out there uh, that they could get in free agency that I don't think would impact their, their cap space all that much. And what's great about where Kansas city is at right now in the need for wide receiver is the fact that this is a very deep wide receiver draft as well. So a lot of interesting names out there, certainly. Um, you know, we talked about the Michael Pittmans and, and, and you know, the um, Mike Evanses of the world and T. Higginses of the world. Uh, but in the draft and, and certainly lower level free agents, too, this is actually a pretty deep wide receiver group that's available uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs in the offseason. But it's like I said, it's like I said, they might try to use that money and address the O-line. Uh, as they have been trying to do here over the last few years. All right, so San Francisco loses this ball game, Matt, um, and I think they've immediately entered the conversation as the favorites to win in 2024, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny, uh, all things considered here. But where does San Francisco go uh, in your mind after the loss to KC? Yeah, I mean, it's tough that you have to now face this offseason where – I think by and large they probably run almost everything back. Uh, in but how do you get offense. over the hump? How do you get over the hump? What do you got to do? I, don't, I mean, I don't know, right? Like this, this is the thing here. 
what do you like? What more are you going to add to this offense? I mean, defense, I get it. There are there are maybe some, some things you could do here, but you know they're not like fl- they're not in like Buffalo's cap position or Miami's cap position or or any of these teams that you looked at that are really hurting that are you know or playoff teams this year. But they're about three million over right now. They could certainly get some. They can find some wiggle room there, but it's not like you're going to add anybody that's going to be better than the guys you rolled out on offense this year. Right. Um, right, that, right. That, and, and I think, I think in 2024, they largely roll that same cast out. I think it's, it's all these guys are probably back. Like I said, Ayuk is on his fifth year option this year. He is for the receiver. He is woefully underpaid at 14 million on that fifth year option. Um, which I'm sure he and his agent are going to bring up this off season, no question about it. Right? Um, maybe they can ex- they, like maybe they can extend him, uh, but then the reality is either he's gone or Debo and or Kittle are not on this roster in 2025. Like that's the thing. This is the last year. This is it. Uh, this is it. This is it. And because. And it just again, this is a painful conversation to have when you didn't win the Super Bowl this year, um, right? Because, like, yeah, now we're looking at all right. This is this everything. Basically, everything went right for this group in twenty twenty everything twenty twenty three. You totally. got the season you wanted to out of Ayuk, where he took that next step. Debo missed three games, but largely stayed healthy. Uh, Trent Williams missed some time, but largely stayed healthy. George Kittle averaged the most yards per target mm-hmm. he had throughout the course of his career. Purdy was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. He was perfectly exactly what you wanted as the trigger man for that offense. It all went right. Is it all going to go right in 2024? And if it doesn't, I again, I think this is it. Like, you can't – all three of those pass catchers, uh, Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo, just can't be on this team in 25. Once we get to 25, you know, uh, Trent Williams is 37. Uh, Chris McCaffrey <laughs> is entering the era of ru- the, the kind of window of running backs where you start to get really nervous. You're yep. going to have to start having the conversation about Purdy and contracts. We don't have to have it right now. We don't have to start that conversation yet because he's going into his third season. But at that point, we will. So that's what's scary about this moment for the 49ers is you didn't capitalize. You had a chance. You had chances in that game on Sunday, which you talked about earlier in the show. You had those moments. You didn't capitalize on those moments. You missed those You missed those windows. And now we're here probably at the last shot for this group of the 49ers. It's not Kyle Shanahan's last shot. You know, he's 44 years old. He'll, yeah. he'll get some more, some more runs at this, I'm sure. sure but with sure. this core Death Star, Avengers, whatever you want to throw at it group, 24 is probably the last time, and I don't really know what they can add to it to make it any better than it was uh, this past year. <laughs> it's tough, man. <laughs> I feel for Niner fans because this was their year. This really, Matt, was their year. Um, I would say the injury to Mafanga uh, changed the trajectory of their, yeah, of their defense a, a bit. Um, but other than that, that's the kind of stuff that every team – has to deal with in the NFL. You've got 22 starters, man. 11 on offense, 11 on defense. For the most part, there's probably like, you know, 12 guys that are absolutely necessary on both sides of the football, right? Uh, and and you could make the case that Mufanga was one of those 12 guys, I think, for, uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. But as you mentioned, all these other guys, man, they stayed relatively healthy. They performed well. There was, not, there was no, you know, internal drama going on in the background. You know, this was their year. 
It really was. Uh, and, and so I, I do feel uh, for San Francisco 49er fans, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, man. The injury, you know, I don't want to say luck, but, you know, the, the, the avoidance of major catastrophe at the injury position, I think, probably runs out next year. Somebody's going to have a downturn, you know, either offensively or defensively. And, um, and man, the Super Bowl hangover is real. Talk to yeah. Philadelphia, you know, it's real. It's, it's a long season. There's a, it, it's just such a grind on some of these players, man. Um, and the fact that they just couldn't get over the hump, man, I, I just think from a mental standpoint too, man, that's got to wear on you. It's got to wear on you big time. You talk about Shanahan. I feel, um, again, he, he's so young. See, Andy Reid was 64 years old. When he won his first title, and 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 you could see the their career trajectories being similar too. A lot of people said Andy Reid would never win a big one, just like people Absolutely. are saying Kyle, Kyle Shanahan never going to win a Super Bowl, never going to do it. Can't figure out how to way to win the big game. Yeah, Reid is sixty five. Uh, well, he'll actually turn sixty six in uh, next month. So shout out to Andy. Uh, but yeah, I mean right. he's he's a guy that didn't win into into his sixties, and uh, yeah, you're right. It, the perfectly perfectly two guys you could compare together. And Shanahan is literally twenty years, you know, <laughs> twenty years younger uh, than Andy Reid, which is right. which is crazy. He's got he's got a long time left to go. His story is not written. Um, it just it stinks when you have these opportunities and you and you can't come up with it. Because um, and I, I love people like, well, do we have to have a conversation about Kyle Shanahan? What are we? What are you going to say? What's what's the conversation? Okay, I mean, I agree. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. I, can, can I just say too the fact what other head coach in the NFL is going to get this kind of production out of Brock Purdy? Tell me, zero point zero. Maybe maybe McVeigh. Maybe McVeigh. That's it. So dude, that's your list. Come on, man. Ain't nobody going to get Brock Purdy to the Super Bowl other than those two guys. That's it. I mean, and even Andy Reid. I love Andy Reid. Andy Reid's not taking Brock Purdy to the Super Bowl, man. Like, it ain't happening, bro. Come on. It's, I don't know. The whole conversation surrounding Kyle Shanahan right now, and it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I get it. It's it's reactionary to one of the most watched games of all time. Um, but, man, it's, come on. Uh, it's just the price the guy, of losing. It's just, it is. It's just the get, price of losing, which which sucks, yeah. but it, it it that's sports, man. You know, like, people need somebody to blame, whatever. But, um you know where they go from here is just you got to you you definitely have to hope that there is improvement for Brock Purdy which i think is the like it's the necessary ingredient for this team to continue to push its window out like um when when we say improvement these, when we when we say improvement what are we talking about here are you talking about downfield are you talking about playmaking ability what are we talking about i think it's similar to what we've seen out of a guy like Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins, where by and large, these guys are what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by and large, from a physical standpoint, and, and by the way, Purdy, I actually think has more, he doesn't have the the gun and the ability to push it like Jared Goff does, but he definitely no. has more playmaking ability and ability to like, Goff is basically like a, a, a shot putter. You know, you move him off his spot, it's over. But if he can stand there and launch it, like he can launch it with the best of them. Um, Purdy is not that anything like that. But I think that just the, the like kind of player archetype comparison is sort of what we're talking about here. Um, I think Cousins does make a, a, a fine comparison for, for Brock Purdy. Like eventually with these guys, they play enough, they see enough. 
that the mind starts to expand, that, that their catalog of things that they've seen and done and can accomplish from a pre-snap standpoint, from a post-snap mm-hmm. standpoint, um, all catches up with like, you're seeing that with Mahomes right now. I mean, weirdly, it's like a beautiful example that Mahomes is more physically gifted than of most of the quarterbacks in the league, but right. he doesn't win and he doesn't do the things he does now at this point in his career just because he's absurdly physically gifted. True. Like Mahomes is uh, from a from an angle standpoint, like a launch point standpoint, from a from a pre snap diagnosis standpoint, he barely ever makes any mistakes. Like mm-hmm. he's not this rec- not that he was ever really like a Favre type, but he's not anything like a reckless gunslinger at this point in his career. He very, right. very rarely makes mistakes, and I think that's where a Purdy type has to get. Like he's ne- he's not gonna be ever- he's not gonna be Mahomes because he's just not as physically gifted as Mahomes. But he has to catch up from that mental standpoint, from a pre snap processing standpoint, um, from a poise standpoint, uh, which mm-hmm. I do think I give Purdy a lot of credit for. I think he's generally um, he's a little frenetic, but not like, not like a Jimmy Garoppolo where the second you get pressure on him, he it's the play is over and he's going to make a mistake. I think Purdy is able to stay cool and reset a little bit better than that. But yeah, there has to be some development from a pre-snap, from a mental standpoint for a guy like Purdy, which I do think can happen the longer you play. Yeah, I, I would agree with that hundred percent. Um, tough road, I think ahead for San Francisco, um, and yeah, I, I mean, can they get everything to break right like they did again? Because if they do, I, I also like them in the Super Bowl again. But you got to get past this dude, Patrick Mahomes. You know, <laughs> although you know, you know, it's really interesting. I think about like I think about somebody like um, uh, Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. and he got a favorable matchup uh, in his first Super Bowl win, right against Chicago, uh, and and that's sometimes what happens. Um, when you're talking about these conference plays, right? Like sometimes you don't get the best team in the Super Bowl sometimes. Um, and sometimes that is what it takes to, to win these Super Bowls. Uh, so it is, I, I think, sometimes interesting uh, what could happen from a matchup standpoint. It's not always going to be the best versus the best. Can San Francisco get there, man? Because, you know, from a talent standpoint, they certainly got it. Um, you know, mentally they're going to have to be there. And, and, and again, physically too, they will have to stay healthy. Uh, as well i don't know i'm, I'm worried I mean, let me just put to you this I'm, I'm worried about san francisco yeah I, well listen i think if you just purely believe in um in the lord of chaos and variance which is right. the is the governing god of the nfl chaos and variance like that just is what it is you should be concerned like there's nothing on paper to be concerned about with the 49ers this year like i said all these of guys course. are going to be back and of course shanahan is still a great coach and i think I think we generally have existed in a centrist area on Brock Purdy. And like, if you exist in that area, then you, you probably you're fine with running him back as a starting quarterback in this environment. Um, maybe the defense is better year two under Steve Wilkes. Maybe they get better play out of their edge guys consistently all season long. Um, you know, Fred Warner's still there. There's still so much to like about uh, Hufunga, like you said, is coming back um, off of injury, but still he's coming back. There's plenty like on paper to be fine with San Francisco. And I think, that's where we can mostly stay centered, but I, I agree with you. And, and your point about the Eagles is extremely well taken. You said earlier that the Eagles had it all coming, all coming back on paper too, but 
things started to go wrong and then clearly there was an issue of like the being under the weight of those expectations and i do wonder about san francisco um i think shanahan probably is a better culture guy and they've got a better thing going on there than whatever the hell is happening with Sirianni in Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will take Shanahan over Nick Sirianni, all things sure. uh, 10 out of 10 every day of the week. <laughs> sure. But still, sure. I think the weight of expectations sure. is certainly uh, looming large there. The one point I will make though, James, just about like, yeah, sometimes you don't get the best uh, on the best in the Super Bowl. Theoretically, yeah. that's what happened to San Francisco this year. Um, like, any metric would have told you that Baltimore is the best team of this season. Such uh, a good point. In the AFC, they were <laughs> right. the best team this season. Right. Uh, right. They were they were the they were one <laughs> of the best point. one of the five best teams of the last decade uh, from like advanced metric standpoint, DVOA, whatever. And uh, the damn 49ers avoided playing them in the Super Bowl. The problem is that the third best team in the AFC, seeding wise, has right. the best quarterback on planet Earth. So you got a little bit screwed there on that one. Uh, both these teams, certainly with interesting um, off seasons, I think facing them. San Francisco is going to be, like you said, pretty static. But how do they get over the hump? That's going to be the big question mark. And meanwhile, Kansas City, I think, um, has a lot of question marks from a from a roster standpoint uh, to try to get back because this is a team that, I mean, good for them, but I don't think I'm overstating it. They limped to the finish line. This team was just. Good enough. I mean, barely hanging on. And again, it's 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 Superman putting the cape on. I mean, let's be real. It's Superman putting the cape on. Yeah. That's the reason why Kansas City won this football game uh, and win the Super Bowl third time in four years. Unbelievable stuff here from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and company. Um, all right, so there you go. Uh, I want to give the folks a, a little bit of a... Um, you know, downstream look here, Matt. Uh, we're going to be off next week. Um, yep. uh, just taking some much-needed time off here. Uh, Matt, give them a, a little bit of your schedule here. Uh, and also, you, you've got content on the YouTube side uh, that I think we should pump to. Correct. Yes. Uh, we are taking next week off the podcast. Uh, just just one week without your boys. Uh, then we'll be back. We'll be firing with our off-season schedule. So keep an eye on that one. But yeah, a lot of content coming up. If you're interested in draft content, there is stuff on the YouTube already, kind of first look at some of the draft prospects. Some of the stuff we've talked about on this show, some of the stuff not. But like you said, um, I am starting to pump out some content on the YouTube page that is not on this podcast, including uh, the Reception Perception Mailbag. First episode is up on my YouTube page. You, know, you just go to Matt Harmon on YouTube, whatever, you'll find it. Um, and the, the best way to get questions submitted to that is in the Discord. Uh, so jo you can join the Discord. The link is at uh, my... You know, it's on receptionperception.com. It's on my bio, my social media pages. Totally easy to find. And then, yes, charting season officially charting starting. Season, baby. While uh, I have started on draft prospects and we've gotten some early looks at draft prospects, we're going to be putting a pause on that for a little bit because I got to get these free agents knocked out here. Uh, right. A lot of the guys, guys we've name dropped on the show will be up on the site in really just about a month, man. You know, Calvin Ridley, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, uh, all the way down to like the Curtis Samuels and the, you know, Gabe Davises of the world, the Kendrick right. Bournes maybe. So, um, yeah, we got that coming up here in just about a month. Uh, even if guys get franchise tagged, they still get charted out for the site so we can talk about them and Hell yeah. analyze them. And then, yes, we'll get right back to draft prospects for this incredible class. So a lot of things coming up just because the season is over. Um, hey, listen, the, the actual game start, this is when the work really begins for Reception Perception. So uh, if you're not subscribed to the site already, my God, 
get on there. <laughs> uh, and can I say too, you know, I just look, uh, if you guys have enjoyed the content, please go to your streaming service uh, and, and, and rank and review the podcast. We're really looking to kind of sort of help build our audience here. But if you guys could, again, just kind of sort of rate and review the podcast, the reviews are hugely important, especially nowadays uh, for engagement and all those kind of things. So if you could go in there, review the podcast, man, uh, that would be awesome. We would definitely, definitely appreciate it. All right. So uh, with that, the 2023 season in the books, Matt, uh, it's been a great run uh, and it has been a a lot of fun. A lot of great information uh, that you have certainly blessed upon the people out there. We're going to take a week off, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about prospects. We're going to be talking about free agency. The offseason never sleeps, and we are going to be grinding our asses off in regards to getting you the the most content and the most prevalent content uh, that we possibly can. All right, but for that, uh, for the 2023 season, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you, and remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. Peace! Peace!